Hello and welcome to HIV Matters Podcast. My name is Michelle Croston and as your host I will be facilitating interesting conversations with leading experts in the field of HIV care. The conversations will be centred around exploring ways to improve quality of life for people living with HIV. Throughout my career I've always had a keen interest in any initiatives to improve outcomes for people living with HIV which has led me to work with a variety of different organisations, with different healthcare professionals and activists. Here at HIV Matters, we hope to use our unique perspectives and platforms to improve knowledge and understanding with regards to HIV. In order to do this, we will engage in conversations with people living with HIV, people who have worked in the HIV sector, and sometimes a mixture of both. We hope you enjoy the episode and if you have any ideas or questions on this or future episodes, please contact us at hello at hivmatters.co.uk. You can also follow us on Instagram at hivmatterspodcast or visit our website at www.hivmatterspodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and comment on our show. Today I'm being joined on the HIV Matters podcast by Angelina Nambia, Winnie Saroma to talk about their latest project, which is a marvellous book entitled Our Stories Told by Us. The book charts the celebrations of the African contribution to the UK HIV response. The book has been led by a remarkable team of black African women and will be out in spring. I'm hoping by the time you listen to this podcast, you'll be sat there eagerly reading your book. But I'm delighted today to be joined by Winnie and Angelina who are going to tell us a lot more about the project, the thinking behind the project and why this book is so timely within the HIV sector. So welcome both and thank you for agreeing to share this truly remarkable project with us. Thank you for agreeing to be part of the podcast to talk about the great work that you've been doing um, with regards to capturing the African contribution to the UK HIV response. So I'm just wondering um, if you'd be able to share for our listeners a little bit about the background to the work that you've been involved in, please. I think uh, it is important to start with, you know, with the context of the HIV epidemic in the UK. Most people know, but some people might not know, that African communities are the most, well, the second most affected communities in the UK with HIV. Uh, And as uh, people living with HIV, we are part of that community and have been part of it for quite some time, you know, accessing support groups. leading projects after that, um, and being active members of this, you know, uh, particular family that we now belong to, that we didn't choose. So, but um, it was important for us to be, you know, to be involved, uh, to speak up, because, um, you know, uh, many people are unable to speak up for all sorts of different reasons. So uh, through through being active, you know, living with HIV as I've lived with for 35 years, 
but also working within the HIV sector in different respects and, um, you know, speaking at conferences uh, in the UK Parliament, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, um, the issues within African communities and how we need to address, you know, those issues and how they impact on the lives of, of families that are living with HIV. So that's how the book developed. But I'd also like Angelina now to speak about her sort of background. Okay, so thank you very much, Winnie and Michelle. Um, so all the things that Winnie has said, but also for me, I'm also, of course, personally involved and affected because I have also living with HIV for the past nearly 30 years now. Um, but for me, what was really important in terms of um, getting this book together was the fact that what Winnie has said, so we do know about the figures and we do know about the how, how HIV impacts on the African community, but for the longest while, and even up to today, the only narrative you hear about African people living with HIV is often the negative, the emaciated. It's always the negative. You always hear about victim, the negative. You never hear about the actual contribution that people living with HIV, African people living with HIV, have made to the HIV response in the UK over the past 40 years. And we have been here. And, you know, as one of our colleagues said I, um, a while ago, we've never been silent. We've just not been listened to. We've been here. We've been contributing. We've been working. We've been doing all sorts of things. But uh, we've not, in a way, we've not received the recognition that we deserve. And it's not just one person, it's many of us. Some of us are out there, we are visible, but others are not. But they are working quietly in the background. And so we felt it was really important to be able to tell our narrative our way. Because if we didn't tell our story in this book, somebody else was going to do it for us. And they were not going to tell it the way we wanted to tell it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I just, you know, want to echo what Angelina said. And, you know, we thought, who better than us to tell our own stories? We are Black African women living with HIV, uh, empowered, um, you know, visible, vocal. Um, so the idea came when, you know, we were all involved in different uh, activities to highlight the 40 years of HIV uh, being identified. Uh, most of the projects that we were involved in uh, were, had a very uh, you know, clear focus uh, around the LGBTQ uh, communities and the issues that impacted on, on that community in the UK and so I, one time when I was being part of one of the projects which I was happy to be part of because I was representing you know the, you know, the voice of, of many other Africans who are unable to be able to, to speak up uh, and I thought but who is writing about us? Who is going to talk about our stories? Who is going to, to tell our story of, of what we've done? Because we've been part of, you know, the UK HIV response. So when I thought about the organizations that are around, and I thought, there is no one who's going to be able to tell our stories. We have to do it. 
So the five of us, um, Angelina, myself, Memory, Charity, and Rebecca, we had a conversation. I brought the idea, scared that somebody would reject it. <laughs> but I was confident that, you know, we would be able to talk and, you know, and agree to it. But we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, can I jump in there? We had no idea, but actually, in a way, we, we did have a bit of a background because during the lockdown, and I think this is also part of kind of a build-up to it, during the lockdown, we had to find, we were meeting every week, we had to find ways to keep engaged and to just keep going like everybody else. And we set up a book club, and that book club, we've, we've always wanted to write a book anyway you know, for years, and we've never, we've started and stopped. And you know, once we started the, set up the, the book club, we'd invite authors to come along and discuss the books that we are reading. I think that also gave us that impetus and that encouragement and the drive. And Winnie brought up the idea that why don't we get this book together? And we thought, actually, we can do this. We can do this. And so we just took it and we just ran with it. And, and I think one of the things that we have to really acknowledge is the fact that once we had put our minds to it and we were going to go ahead with it. It was about, we needed to involve both other African people living with HIV, but also allies because the response has not just been about one group of people. It's been a combination of people living with HIV, activists, it's been researchers, it's been clinicians, it's been consultants, it's been all sorts of people together. For me, what really surprised us in a good way was how generous people were with their contributions because we reached out to people who, you know, eminent doctors and professors and you name it, and they just said, yeah, of course, this needs to happen. And I think that was, that was great. But yeah, of course, kudos to you, Winnie, for, for planting that seed. Yeah. Well, we work together as a group incredibly well. We've been doing lots of different projects together. And so, uh, for me, um, I thought about doing it on my own, but I always want to bring my friends with me, along with me, to do specific things. And I, you know, I just wanted my friends with me to do this together, to, you know, to work, because I think when you are together, we make a bigger impact than alone. So, I'm really happy. First of all, I was just relieved that they agreed to the idea. And then, <laughs> then we started working on it and uh, everybody embraced it, you know, so much. And like Angelina said, the pleasant surprise has been the support from all sorts of different people. Everybody we've talked to, they've, you know, asked us, what do you want me to do? How do I support you guys? You know, when do you want this? How many words do you want <laughs> in terms of writing? It has been amazing. It really has been amazing. It has. It has been starting with you yourself, Michelle, your generosity in getting involved with the steering group, as well as the Latin Max Santos, CEO for Positive East. I mean, it's as you're saying, Winnie. It's it's teamwork. Uh, we wouldn't have done it without all of us together. But I just think it's just been an amazing journey. It really has. Mm -hmm.
Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you, you're all amazing women and an absolute pleasure to work with. And there was no no doubt in my mind that this was going to happen because of the passion that you share for the project. I'm just wondering, how, can you share a little bit more about um, how you developed the the book as you as you went along? I know you've alluded to kind of how the the growth of the book from starting from the book club to the idea to inviting um, different authors. But I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit more about that process because this is no mean feat to get as many contributors in. And I know you're amazing women and very difficult to say no to, and you're very lovely and supportive. Um, but just can you talk us through a little bit more about kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff with the book in terms of the logistics what we did we started um because as a as a team Winnie mentioned Rebecca Winnie memory and charity and myself um we've always um, met we once a year we go on a retreat as women living with HIV to give each other support so what we decided we started off having meetings just planning meetings looking at okay so this is we decided to go ahead with this how are we going to do this? And we went away on a retreat and we um, put together a plan where we said, okay, so, well, firstly, we need contributors. Who would we need to contribute? We put down a whole long list of contributors because I think this is probably going to be part one. We might try it part two as well. So we decided we, because we, we all bring different skills to the project. Um, everybody brings something, you know, my contribution is just as important as Winnie's, as all the other ladies' contribution. Put together a plan, who do you want to involve, what you're going to do, who's going to do what, who's going to do this bit of the project, who's going to contact people, what are we going to do, what timelines are we going to do. So we literally put together a project plan at that retreat, and then we took from there. Winnie, do you want to fill in some more? Yes. Uh, as we were speaking and meeting and talking, it became clear that this was a huge undertaking that, you know, we had uh, decided to do. But, you know, but it wasn't a question of we are not going to do it. It was always, you know, how do we manage it? It was going to be done, but how do we manage it? You know, who do we talk to? Who do we call? Um, I think Angelina, um, being uh, very project management oriented <laughs> was like we need guidance questions you know to ask, uh, you know the people that want to be part of this project we you know the whole list that we had everybody you know had different people to call and uh, to ask because we all know different people um but we found ourselves, you know, realizing uh, what amazing networks we have. Uh, because if we thought about, oh, let's talk about, um, you know, um, let's get somebody from, you know, clinicians, you know, let's write a list out, you know. And then we all said, okay, I'll talk to this one, I'll talk to this one. And we all decided to, to do that. And... You know, so it went along like that. It was so exciting to begin with, but it has been hard work. <laughs> it has been hard work because there have been some surprises in, in a challenging way. There are people we expected to contribute in terms of stories, 
that didn't. And I think for me personally, that um, surprised me, but I completely understand. Um, yes, they, yeah, they're, they're specific surprises, you know, um, yeah, that came about. It did. And also, I think um, one of the things we need to be like really clear about is the fact that this project wouldn't have happened without funding because it's, let me say, it's a huge undertaking. And we all have our own commitments outside of, you know, getting the book together. And so we realize that actually, you know what, yes, there is goodwill from people. Um, but actually we need some funding to actually get the project going. And so it was really important to find, and, and we were lucky in a way as well. And I think we should actually say a huge thank you to the people who've already funded us so far. And hopefully uh, we'll get to secure some more funding from other people. But I um, have to say a huge thank you to Gilead Sciences for funding, giving us our first spot of funding. And then some more funding from uh, Winnie. The Terence Higgins Trust donated um, a huge donation to us. Uh, so that was, you know, amazing. Yeah. So, we've got, I mean, we've got, we, will, we will obviously thank all the funders in the book and contributors. But the funding was incredibly important because um, everybody's time is important. And one of the things that we are always talking about in terms of doing work with uh, particularly women living with HIV is about the meaningful engagement and uh, the correct remuneration for our time. Because for years, Winnie and I have been activists for nearly years now. And a lot of times we do things for free, which is fine. We to do that. But actually, when you think about it, you know, the contribution that we make is also, it's, you know, we need to be, that needs to be recognized. And if we're going to lead, example if we want to be the lead lead in the way that we want to see the future people leading the african community leading we need to make sure that actually your time is recognized your expertise is acknowledged and so we grateful for the funding and we have we have so many ideas we have so many things we want to do as a result of this book but i'm going to hand over to Winnie because she looks like she's itching yes. <laughs> i'm not sure if i'm itching but i really want to you know because it's not just, um, you know, the funding, you know, which, which we got and actually sometimes surprised by. Um, but we had to pick up the phone. We had people who connected us to people. Um, I really want to specifically mention uh, Dr. Laura Waters for her amazing skills of uh, connecting as to different people uh, and then you know it was up to us to make our case for you know um what we wanted to do um once we started to um you know to to get the money together then um it was important for because we are all individuals it was important to have this money um you know managed by an organization um, and that organize the organization we chose was uh, positive east and uh, we chose positive east because um, you know we had talked to Mark Santos and he had some ideas you know that were quite similar to ours so we said it's perfect it's a perfect partnership um, and of course, um, you know, Michelle, you joined our team quite quickly. Um, 
who else joined the team? And then we had to find, uh, you know, people who are going to design the book, people are going to, you know, lay out the book, you know, the, the artwork for the book, you know. So we had to find all the specific skills as we went along. We were literally learning on the job what is involved in putting a book together. You know. Absolutely. And I think we should also um, give a huge mention to Jane Shepard for her skills and to Charity who did a lot of the design and a lot of artwork for the book. Um, but yeah, so we, it, it's, been, it's been a journey, it's been a process. We're still going on. Um, we're still going to be reaching out to people. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. Uh, but I just think... It's a it's a main feat that we've achieved. I think we we, we should um, acknowledge that. Because we should acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just to kind of reiterate that, you know, it's you know being fortunate enough to be involved in the project. You know what you ladies have done has been miraculous, and I agree with what you said, Angelina. You know, your time, your resources, your expertise. You were the only people that could write this book. You know, and give it the justice that it deserves. And just to say, it's like over. 40 stories and for any of our listeners who've ever tried to do a small project and try to get 10 people to contribute it's it's not easy guys and it was just it's just phenomenal what you've what you've managed to achieve um as well and yeah just you've just alluded to the artwork so we're hopefully going to get charity on to talk us a little bit more about the artwork but I can't wait for you guys to to be able to see this book it's just one of those books that you're not going to put be able to put down and it looks so beautiful So you've already mentioned a little bit about some of the surprises from the book, such as people being willing to give the time, willing to contribute. Has there been anything else for you that um, has come up as a surprise um, while undertaking this project? I think for me, first of all, I just wanted to say it's been a true labour of love. But I, I just also wanted to mention the fact that one of the big surprises was when we approached um, Winnie Bianima. She said, yes, she'd be happy to write the forward. Um, that was the biggest surprise of all, but in the most nicest way ever. Like, you know, like, you know, I don't know, icing on the cake doesn't actually quite describe it, right? Um, that was a big, for me, that was one of the biggest surprises. There's lots of other surprises along the way, but that was just like, okay. Okay, this, this has been worth do, been worth doing. I mean, I don't know when if you wanted to add anything to that. Um, I think the for me the biggest surprise was uh, you know how an idea you know um, that you have in your head at night and you think about just grows so much and 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 other people embrace it to the point that they, you know, everybody embraced it. And it grows into this amazing project that is not, that is not only a book at this particular point, you know. I mean, we had to get the content first. And for me, I want to just stress that these are reflections and stories, you know, of people, of, you know, people, how they, you know, um, the 
gone through the past years of the HIV epidemic, what they thought, what they, you know, how they felt, what sometimes what happened to them, you know, and all of this. And it really, when you read people's stories and and reflect on what they're, you know, you know, uh, writing and the diversity of the people writing, you know, mm. the diversity of the Africanness of the people also was just really amazing. No, it know. was actually, it was totally, so if I can jump in, if that's okay, I think just picking up what you're saying about when people are bringing in their contribution, because some of the contributions, we actually interviewed some of the people. And I remember when I was doing some of the, the Zoom interviews, which is the way life is nowadays, and, and people would say, oh, thank you for that, because it was, I haven't reflected mm -hmm. on my journey in the sector for such a long time. So for a lot of people, it was cathartic just talking about their involvement and seeing where the journey had been from when they started, for example, as a clinician or as when they were diagnosed to where we are now. So that, that was, it was quite cathartic for a lot of people and they were quite, uh, so that was another surprise as well, because even as we were doing it, you just didn't know what was going to come up, what people were going to share, but people are incredibly generous. And yeah, and then I learned a lot of things about lots of people. There are people who'd worked in, the most interesting countries, but we meet, we've been meeting all these years, but when you're interviewing them and they said, oh yeah, and I was trained as a doctor in, I don't know, Papua New Guinea or something like that. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it was amazing. It's just been such a process. But I think in terms of also surprises, it's um, just how much time is involved in getting the, the reflections together. Firstly, contacting people waiting to get a response back, whether it's a yes or a no, then organizing the interviews or asking for the contributions, then getting those together and then transcribing them and then getting the, I mean, Michelle, you can attest to this in terms of after we've got everything in, putting the book together, doing the editing. I think that's, you don't just realize how much is involved, but actually when it's such a labor of love, it's okay. You know, I, I remember sitting in my room somewhere in another retreat on my laptop transcribing interviews. And I'm thinking, mm, okay, it took a while, but actually, you know what? It was okay because it's something we signed up to do. And, and I think we all just put our heart and soul into it. We really yeah. did. And also, um, I think, you know, we are talking about the, you know, the African contribution to the Yeke HIV response. But many of us are migrants. You know, and, um, you know, so our journeys are not just in the UK. Our journey started, you know, in different parts of Africa. And most people are moving back and forth, you know, um, to the UK. So we had to call people up, you know. Some people have moved, you know, um, to different countries and are doing, you know, things that are not even HIV related at all. But one of the things that I, I realized is that um, people had all of this information and they didn't know where to put it. They had it all. And, and for me, it's really important to continue to document our stories, to build on this work that we have now put together, to continue to tell our stories because one of the things 
you know, we are constantly asked, especially in the work that we do, is where's the evidence? You know, and if you don't have the written evidence, <laughs> you know, you are sometimes in trouble and it's really different, difficult to, you know, to prove certain things. So it is important, you know, that we document this. For me, I feel that documenting it will have made our lives worthwhile because then, you know, I don't want to be forgotten. I want my story to be in print and say, mm -hmm. this is who I am. This is what happened to me. This is what I did to make life not just better for myself, but better for a whole lot of other people. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I mean, as you say, in terms of evidence and data, this is a collection of incredibly rich qualitative data. So there you are, the evidence is there, but it's just, oh my God. Yeah. Yes. I can't wait to read it all again. <laughs> and also, and also we learned about each other. There are things we didn't know about each other that we learned through the stories, you know, how we, you know, how we wrote the stories, you know. I mean, I have to confess that, you know, this is not my, the first time that my story has been written. You know, there are other places. But each time you approach the story from a, a different angle. So it was really, you know, um, nice to learn certain things that I didn't know before, first about my friends and also about other contributors to the book. Definitely. I think, you know, just to echo everything you've said, I can't wait to reread the book. And I think there was a, a, a strong desire from all of us in the steering group to make sure these vo these voices was heard and that the stories were given justice to these powerful words. And, you know, every single one of them is different and unique and just really powerful. So our listeners, you, I will provide the link and I will be sharing this story as it unfolds. But it is one of those, as Angelina said, a labour of love, um, and just just powerful, um, a powerful read to do. So I am aware of how much hard work you've all put into this project, and you've mentioned earlier that you've got loads of ideas which I'm super excited to hear about but I'm just wondering if you're able to share with us how you will disseminate the book is there things we can look out for perhaps we are going on a road trip we are going on a road trip around the UK I think we might try and get into Ireland as well Angelina we, we did say we might try going there <laughs> I mean, there's so many reasons why we are doing this book, you know. First, to document, you know, to document the stories, to have this content. Then we need to share it, you know. We need to share it with other people, especially, you know, people from our African communities, then to the broader black communities, and then broadly to the UK, you know, to to tell uh, the story of, of of what has happened, you know, on HIV, and then um, we also need to educate people. There are people who don't remember, 
what happened with the HIV, or who were not even born, you know, when, uh, you know, when some of us were diagnosed with HIV. So it's about, you know, documenting, it's about sharing, it's about learning, it's about educating people. And, you know, we are going to go to different places around the UK and talk to people. And then we are also hopefully going to learn through that process of talking to other communities, um, you know, um, in different parts of the country. We are indeed. So we're going to do the, the good old-fashioned roadshow way of going out to communities, doing readings and speaking to people. But of course, this is the world that we live in, the world of social media. We're going to be disseminating it via social media as well. We have a Twitter account. It's our stories told by us. Uh, our stories underscore... Uh, told by us, but I will, you can. I'm sure you're going to put that in in the link. Yeah. And then we're also going to have a website as well. And so, yeah, and hopefully, all your listeners will also disseminate that information and spread it far and wide. So we'll we'll use whatever medium is available to be able to get the information out there to people because we want, as Wayne is saying, these are such rich stories, rich experiences. We want to share them with as many people as possible because we've been we've had a ball putting them together, and I think it's uh, it's only fair that other people get to enjoy it, enjoy them as well. But also on a on a quite serious note, you know, we want to address specific issues that are still quite uh, a challenge within, you know, especially the African communities around HIV-related stigma, around, you know, um, whether that is a societal stigma, whether that is internalized stigma. You know, there are people out there who are just, afraid, you know, afraid and live in fear and are not able to live their full lives, you know, because they feel that, you know, HIV is not letting them do that. But we are going out there to say you have to be brave. You have to seek the support that you need. And for families to have the conversations within families about HIV, which I'm sure probably many of them did when COVID happened, you know, if they can just have those conversations and really take the sting out of HIV and let people live full lives. So thank you so much for providing me with your time again today. I just love our conversations together. So I'm just wondering if we could get to know you a little bit better for our podcast um, audience, please. So probably start with Winnie, first of all. Can you share with our listeners something that you do as part of your self-care? Well, I mean, I do a lot of different things, but there are three things maybe I would like to highlight that I do intentionally. Um, one of the things is reading, especially in the morning, you know. The first thing I do when I wake up is read. It's like my um, sort of mindfulness, you know, just to set the pace for my day. I also, um, once in a while, I access complementary therapies. I get body massages. I, I do acupuncture, you know, have acupuncture done and, and you know, you know, to really look after myself. But also one of the things I really love doing 
um, a lot is uh, go out with my friends and just, you know, have fun, you know, whether it's, you know, to a play, a movie, or just to, you know, to have some amazing food. So, yes, that's how I, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. All, all great tips. Angelina. Me, um, like Winnie, I also like to read a lot. Um, my, I literally live in a, I call it, my daughter calls it a jungle library. So lots of plants and lots of books. Um, I do read a lot. The other thing I do is I love to swim. Um, and so I have protected time. Every Friday morning, I go to the YMCA in Tottenham Court Road. And I go for a swim and a swim. So it doesn't matter who calls. Friday morning is protected. I also do a spot of volunteering at the Mild May Mission Hospital. And that is incredibly important to me because, um, in a way, I say they saved my life. I know it sounds a bit dramatic, but actually I went through a period where I went to a lot of hospitals, but I ended up at the Mild May and I thrived a lot there. So I feel that it's important to give back. So that's part of what I do as well in terms of, it's, it's not, something that it, it, I, I believe it's part of all part of my well-being uh being able to volunteer there and yeah like when you go out with my friends but the other thing i love doing and all my friends know about this is i love watching detective <laughs> <laughs> right um my phone is on silent from 2019 so if you're gonna speak to me and call me first my friend rebecca <laughs> she will call and if I pick up the phone she will just go are you watching and if I call yes she'll say I'll call you later so all my detective I've watched all the British grades and I love detective series so that's another thing that I do to make myself happy brilliant wonderful wonderful also this may be hard for you to narrow down but um Angelina maybe might be able to carry on answering this can you share with us a book that you've been reading recently Goodness, I've read so many, but I think uh, one of the ones I'd like to share um, about is a book called Wahala, W-A-H-A-L-A. It's a book by the author, her name is Nikki May, and um, it's a book about, um, it's just portraying um, modern women and their friendship. Um, it's, the main characters are... Ronke, Simi, and Boo, who are inseparable. They're all mixed race, which is another lovely twist to it. And they live in London, and they have a gift of two cultures. They're all Nigerian and English. Uh, and, of course, they don't all choose to live that way. And so everyday racism has never held them back. Of course, that's we know that happens in London. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they're in their 30s, and um, they start to question their futures. And, uh, of course, one of them, Ronke, wants a husband, which we know that happens in those cultures as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but it must be Nigerian, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Boo enjoys, or rather endures, um, stay-at-home motherhood while Simi is full of fashion and career dreams um, and rolls her eyes every time her boss talks about uh, her urban vibe yet again. But then they also have the final friend is Isabel, who is also he's a, he's lethally glamorous and a friend from their past who arrives in, time in, in town and she's determined to fix their futures. And uh, you can watch the fireworks go. It's a great book. It's very engaging. Nikki writes incredibly well. So that's another person I'd really love to meet. So Nikki May, which has her name is spelled N-I-K-K-I-M-A-Y as in the month, and the book is called Wahala. 
I highly recommend it. Thank you. I will be busy checking that out after we've uh, ended our chat today. So Winnie, my lovely, a book that you could recommend for us that you've been reading? Well, um, I'm going to talk about just briefly one book that we are reading as um, as uh, as a, our little book club. Apart from putting a book together, we also have a book club. <laughs> um, you know, and we are reading a book called The First Woman uh, by Jennifer Nansubugamakumbi, who lives in Manchester. And I'm going to have a shout out. If she's listening, would love to talk to her. Um, and uh, But I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts because we are still reading it and we are going to review it at the end of the month. Uh, the book I've recently read, and I would really like to, you know, recommend very very highly it's called uh don't touch my hair <laughs> and it's by somebody called emma dabiri d-a-b-i-r-i black women will know <laughs> that hair hmm? hair you don't touch it you know i don't care who you are but this book, you know, when I started reading it, I thought it was just about hair, maybe styles. It is so deep. It's very, you know, it talks about the politics of hair, you know, uh, from slavery, you know, how people, you, you know, used hairstyles as a map to, you know, to uh, point um, to different directions or to hide certain, you know, signals within the hair. And also, um, you know, in, um, in America, how, you know, dread, you know, wearing your hair in like dreads is also quite political. And also here in the UK with dreadlocks and all. My God, it is. It is like, uh, it is a memoir, it is politics, and I love politics. I, I, I love all these um, programs that analyze the politics, you know, the cultural things that are going on. So for me, it was like, oh my God, there are times when I couldn't put it down. Uh, I really highly recommend it. Thank you very much. I'll be checking that out. I'll also, I'll be busy this weekend. <laughs> Tucked away reading, which is amazing. Thank you. So, Winnie, my final question to you, and this is a tough one. Uh, well, it might not be a tough one, and I wish I did have a magic wand. But if I had a magic wand, or if there was a magic wand, and time, resources, and money weren't an issue, what would you like to change or seem done differently in the world? You know what? I think we are the magic ones in this life and we can make stuff happen. At, at, at times I think people think that we can't make stuff happen. We can make stuff happen. Uh, it's just who you talk to, who you network with. One of the things that I'd like to see happen is for uh, black communities um, to access healthcare. You know, we saw how COVID, the COVID period, exposed these health inequalities, you know, that we in black communities already knew about, but, you know, maybe other communities didn't know, you know, and how deep and harmful they are to our communities. So for me, I would love 
to to see projects that flourish that help people you know understand and and know how to you know prevent certain things so people can access prevention people can learn about you know uh, about their long term um you know conditions and how to manage those and to access the great care that this country even in this difficult period that this country has to offer the care that i know for instance the hiv care that i know that is so great that i've been able to benefit from a lot of people might not benefit from great care in other different areas you know but i would love to be able to um to be involved in projects that can help people to access the care they need and deserve Thank, thank you so much, Renee. I love this idea that we are the magic wand. We have that power to to change the realities for lots of different people. So thank you, Angelina. Same question, please. Yeah, thank you. Same questions, almost same, similar answer. Um, so definitely for me, if I had a magic wand, I'd love to see universal healthcare available to all. So basically, in, in narrowing it further down, as Winnie has said. Um, we wouldn't be here talking to you today, having put together this book, if we didn't have access to treatment, to care and support. So for me, if I had a magic wand, um, I'd like to see access to treatment, to care, to support and prevention that is available, that is accessible, and that is affordable for anyone in the world who needs it. Beautiful. Thank you. Such a wonderful last question. And I'm almost, I'm really sad our time on this podcast is coming to an end. So thank you both for sharing your time and there's more information about the book. I'm sure we will update our listeners as we go along this journey. And I know we've got Charity, Bex and Memory coming on again to share different parts of this project. So thanks again for sharing your wonderful project with the listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you to today's guest and to you for listening to this episode of HIV Matters. I don't know if you're anything like me and are busy writing down the lovely book suggestions made in our show. That's why HIV Matters have teamed up with bookshop.org to bring all these fantastic books to you in one unique place. To find out more about this and how to access the bookstore, please check out today's show descriptions. Today's edition of HIV Matters has been brought to you via an unrestricted educational grant from Vive Healthcare and Gilead Sciences. Gilead and Vive have had no input into guests or topics. HIV Matters is the official podcast of the National HIV Nurses Association. For more information about the National HIV Nurses Association, head over to www nivna.org Thanks again for listening to our show. We hope to see you next time and together we can make a difference.